0: Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries.
1: Vulnerability. What reaction did you just have when I said that word? If you're like a lot of people, What comes up is dread, stepping up and showing the world your flaws and fears. Who wants to do that? Well, paradoxically, we actually love it when other people show up in their vulnerability. It makes them seem real and approachable. Now, there's a common idea that vulnerability is weakness, but being vulnerable isn't weak. In fact, it actually takes a lot of courage to show up authentically, warts and all. It's actually the key to true intimacy. So what makes it so tough? Well, I'm tackling that topic today with my guest, certified sex therapist, Dr. Elliot Cronenfeld. So Dr. Cronenfeld, Elliot, thanks for being on the show and talking about this sticky subject
0: well, thank you for having me. I think it's a really important subject for all of us to talk. About.
1: Well, and especially because you you are a certified sex therapist and vulnerability. There's yeah, that's a whole topic in and of itself, which we may touch on. But you actually wrote a piece. Not all vulnerability is the same, and it has an interesting subtitle: "Using vulnerability to create closeness." So, can you expand a little bit on this idea?
0: Sure. You know, in my practice, I work with individuals and couples and other relationship structures. And vulnerability uh, is often what impedes closeness and intimacy. And I define intimacy as the balance between safety and vulnerability. Okay. So, Intimacy is the balance between safety and vulnerability because if we're too safe, we can't allow any kind of vulnerability in. But if we feel too vulnerable and we don't feel safe, we can be triggered and on alarm. And so what this conversation really is, is about how do we balance those two important pieces of safety and vulnerability so that we can have true intimacy.
1: Yeah, that's, that, that, that's a really interesting, um, way of looking at it because it, you know, we do have to feel a certain amount of security and safety to open up and share these deeper parts of ourselves because, because we, we want to make sure that um, it's an okay thing to do. We we don't just necessarily start sharing our deepest darkest secrets with the person standing next to us in the grocery line. Although I have heard some of that, so maybe that's not a big thing. But to actually really do that, you we do have to feel safe. But but there is that little bit of an edge. I think you're talking about. Am, am I am I kind of on the right track?
0: Oh, absolutely. In all kinds of relationships, not just intimate partner relationships. Mm -hmm. with our families, with our friends, with our coworkers, it happens everywhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's really interesting um, because, you know, I was, you know, it's, it's so easy to put up this front, um, you know, and and I think that right now we're living in a world where I was just reading an article or reading a piece um, by another frequent guest of mine. And she was talking about, you know, how social media you know, we have, you know, we're basically putting out these false pictures and how, and how, you know, easy it is to lie and, and do all these other things today. <laughs> we're actually going, yeah, that's, we, but, but when, but when we're lied to, or we find out something isn't real, that really is hurtful. And is that, is that kind of part of this vulnerability that we're believing something about somebody that we then find out isn't true?
0: You know, Perhaps in some ways, but what it means is that when we come through, I always say there's a difference between honesty and transparency.
1: Okay. Interesting.
0: Transparency is, you see how the sausage is made. It is (laughs) whatever's inside is just going to come out. Right. And and I give it to you to cope with. And oftentimes when I'm being really transparent, it means you have to work really hard to make sense out of what I'm giving you. And that can be really super challenging. Uh-huh. But if I'm being honest, the difference is, is that I've done some form of processing and I am owning the impact of what it is that I'm giving you.
1: Okay. And I give it
0: to you, not just in an unfettered way, but I give it to you with context. Gotcha. And I give it to you with how I want you to think about it. And it, oftentimes, particularly when I'm working with individuals who have a real sense of vulnerability about letting themselves be seen, mm-hmm. um, I say to them, don't come out. Um, whether you're coming out with part of your identity or your sexuality or orientation or diagnosis mm-hmm. or a fact about your history, whatever you're coming out with, mm-hmm. um, I say don't come out. Instead, what I want you to do is to invite
1: in. Oh, interesting.
0: Because in there, it means that I am taking some form of responsibility for what I am sharing with you and how I want you to understand it. And I'm telling you what I expect your reaction to be and what I hope your reaction will be. Because when we come out, we're just transparent. I'm just going to be really transparent about something. Mm
1: -hmm. And therefore,
0: you have the power to judge, to accept or reject as you will, based on how you're processing it, because I haven't given you the context to understand it. Does that make sense?
1: It doesn't. It's really interesting. It kind of leads into my next question, because in your article, you're talking about, you you state that there are two distinct types of vulnerability. And the first one you talk about is vulnerability rooted in fear. And I'm wondering how that's kind of playing into what you just talked about, the difference between transparency and honesty, which I so appreciate that distinction. But, tell, but talk about this vulnerability rooted in fear, because I think that's what most people think about vulnerability. It
0: is the common understanding. and uh, The vulnerability that is rooted in fear is actually rooted in risk assessment, risk planning, and risk mitigation. How do I take what feels scary and risky to me and, and create some distance from it? And so in order to do that, I have to push the source of my perceived risk far enough away from me. Okay. And so that's a relationship. What it's actually doing is limiting the amount of impact you can have on me. It is reducing the avenues you have to get to know me or to have access to the entirety of me because I perceive that what you're going to do with that access is hurt me Mm -hmm. or reject me or judge me or critique me Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I spend all of my time and energy making sure
1: making sure what
0: that you can't do
1: that ah
0: so I try to push you away
1: and, and a lot of times I don't necessarily think that this is conscious, although, you know, obviously if I've had an experience with you and, and I do kind of think this is how we form relationships is I give you a little peek and then I see what you do with it. And if it's, and if it's handled well, then it kind of gives me permission to give you a little bit more of a peek. (laughs) But at some point in time, you might not handle it well, and then it tells me I can't trust you, which may or may not be true, right? It's more along the lines of, because what you were talking about, the difference between transparency and honesty, it could have been the way in which I shared it.
0: Yes, there is something called social exchange theory. Mm -hmm. What social exchange theory tells us is that the way that meaningful relationships happen is I show you a little bit of me and you like it. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to re-engage with me um, in a way that makes me feel like you value me. Mm -hmm. But I need to know that you do that not out of obligation, but out of genuine interest.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And when we're talking about this first form of vulnerability, it's hard for me to believe or to conceptualize that what you're giving me is out of true value.
1: So how do we figure that out?
0: So (laughs) it's pacing, right? Um, Okay. right. First of all, we have to be. Like everything else in the world, we have to be culturally aware and culturally sensitive. We have to understand that not everybody is coming from the same worldview and same world lens, right? We have to be (laughs) curious about each other. Uh Uh-huh. I always say that, you know, love and sex are great, but that's not the glue in your relationship. Right. The real glue in your relationship is intentionality and curiosity.
1: I like that. Mm-hmm. When we're
0: being intentional with each other and when we're being curious with each other, that's really the glue. And so the way that we figure it out is we pace ourselves. Okay. I am not gonna throw all of myself on the table at once up front. We know people who do that, right? Yes. They they kind of just and that's the transparency piece. They kind of just vomit all of their truth. Right.
1: <laughs> right.
0: And, and then overwhelm people. Mm -hmm. It's about being able to pace it, being able to give enough that is appropriate for this situation.
1: Because I believe
0: that every relationship has a purpose.
1: Uh
0: And part of our job is to understand what's the purpose of this relationship? Why? What do we have to do in this relationship for what This relationship is serving me. And what piece of me should I put out there that serves that purpose? Mm -hmm. For example, if I think you're going to be an intimate partner, what I might put out there is very different than you're somebody who I want to be a close friend. Okay. What I'm going to offer you is different. So I have to be clear uh, about what I think the purpose of this relationship is. And then I give just a little bit to see if you're willing to accept it. But I don't give you everything. Mm -hmm. I want you to want more. Okay. So how do we know it's real? Because I'm going to give you a little bit. And if I feel that you respond positively to that and you lean in and you ask me for more. then I know I can trust it.
1: So as you were going through this, and I love that explanation. Thank you so much. Um, you know, when you, when you said to me, we have to figure out the purpose of this relationship and what I hear frequently, and it makes me want to scream just about every time I hear it is that the purpose of my marriage or the purpose of my spouse or the purpose of my lover is to make me happy.
0: Ooh,
1: (laughs) ooh. Or my job as a partner is to make my partner happy. And I went, no,
0: no, 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 Who wants that job? Well, I'm not signing up for that.
1: Well, because, because it's an impossibility. (laughs)
0: No, no, no. I, 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 no, no. You know, part of it is, so I think about my marriage, Uh-huh. right? And I think the purpose of my marriage, first of all, was to build a, a cohesive family, mm-hmm. to raise our children. We've done that. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, as our children grow and become independent and leave, and I don't think that every couple needs to have children.
1: Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but that's what it was for us. Uh-huh. What's happened in my marriage is we start realizing that the purpose of this marriage is validation.
1: Okay.
0: It is support for achieving bigger dreams. Uh-huh. It is to be able to create a safe space for self exploration. Uh-huh. It is certainly a great place for sex and intimacy. hmm. Uh-huh. It is a place to feel chosen. It is a place to feel um security.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And not all of those things happen all the time.
1: Right. <laughs> right? Yes, that is definitely but, but, true. Right. right
0: mm-hmm. But those are the things that our marriage is based on. Other marriages based on other things. Um, for example. My husband and I often vacation apart from each other. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I'm actually planning a very big trip in February um, to Antarctica and he's not going. Cool. Um, because it matters to me, it doesn't matter to him. Right. But the purpose of our relationship is I have this need to explore that he doesn't. So oh. The purpose of this marriage is that I can launch from this marriage to go do the parts of me. That he doesn't need to be a part of, but I get to do that because we have this connected marriage.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. I. 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 I hear that, and and I really think that that is a sign of a very healthy relationship, whether it's a marriage or you know, however you want to describe it, where you know it is it is about supporting. You know, the hopes and dreams and personality and, you know, kind of thing of, of your partner that, and, and <laughs> you said something earlier, which it's like, I so wish this were as obvious to everybody that you know, we do have these different experiences. We do have these different drives. We do have these different things that light us up. And if we can have that safe, secure, solid relationship to, to launch from, then, then we get to be our, our best selves. And I just wanna take a moment and remind listeners that this is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking about the importance of vulnerability in creating real intimacy with certified sex therapist, Dr. Elliot Cronenfeld. And if you struggle with being vulnerable, guess what? You are not alone because being vulnerable can be scary. You could be rejected, and that hurts, so it's better not to even go there. And while you might feel safe, you might also probably feel lonely, like no one sees you or gets you, and that deep connection you want with others will continue to escape you. So if you're ready to show up more more authentically in your marriage, I can help. I invite you to take a moment and drop me an email or give me a call to schedule your free five-star relationship um, consultation. You can reach me by phone at area code 919 924 That's 919-924-0463. Or you can email me at Leslie, L-E-S-L-I at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's f o u n d a t i o n s coaching and is in Nancy C is in Charlie.com. And now I want to get back to this conversation about vulnerability. So Elliot, you said that the other type of vulnerability um, is based in courage, desire, and connection. So how does what is this type of vulnerability and how does it really differ from the vulnerability based in fear?
0: So this is the vulnerability, that's the inviting in part. Okay. I want you to be closer to me. So I am going to show you that I value you, that you are a person of importance, and that I am wanting you to step closer. And so I invite you in. Now, that doesn't mean I throw the barn doors open and you get to have carte blanche with everything that's going on inside of me. Uh huh. Again, I'm going to paste it and I'm going to make it specific. And I'm going to give you the context under which I invite you in. I want to share part of myself with you. I want to tell you that I'm doing this because I value you. And more often than not, I mean, when we tell somebody, you're really important to me and I value you and I want to share something really personal with you. And when you can set it up in that way, you're going to get a much better response.
1: Yes. You <laughs> I mean other than just blurting it out?
0: Or, or being having it dragged out of you. Because ah, gotcha. you won't open up. Mm. Right? And so what I'm doing is I'm actually letting this person know that I am still a unique individual. Um, and I am still I'm standing on my own two feet. But I want you to stand closer to me. I want you to see me in all of my brightness and every time you I allow you to take a step forward ultimately as social exchange theory would tell us that when I give you something of value and you accept it because you see it as valuable you will in turn give me something and you will also become more vulnerable you will also show me in the acceptance of my vulnerability, that I am also a person of importance to you.
1: So, here's the thing, because I I think this goes back to the way people see vulnerability. Um, that vulnerability is not about. I think you use the word, you know, showing, you know, showing me in all my brightness. It's the dark side of stuff that I don't want anybody to see. It's the mistakes that I make. It's the um, hurt that I've caused or, or experienced. Um, so how do we? Which I think is that vulnerability, you know, based in fear that I have to hide this in the closet and hope to God. You know, you don't ever open that closet door because if you do, you won't, you won't want to be with me. And I think that's, so how do we square that circle?
0: So I don't think it's all that different because okay. if you've ever looked directly into the sun or a really bright bulb, brightness mm-hmm. can also be scary and hurtful. And painful, yes. <laughs> right. But right. You say, all of my brightness, um, sometimes I might be too bright. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes I, I mean that brightness can be hot, mm-hmm. too hot. Mm-hmm. Um so let's not make an assumption that brightness is always positive. Okay. It can also be very, very challenging. Right? We love being out in the sun, but we also get a sunburn. Right. <laughs> and so to see somebody have somebody see me in my brightness means they have to take both sides of me. I just like to position things from a more positive perspective. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. if, if I live in the darkness, I'm going to frame it as darkness. I would rather frame it as brightness, knowing that there is a cost to brightness. Okay. I'm, not, I, I'm not naive to that. But I would much rather start from a position of brightness and put some sunscreen on, <laughs> right? Which is saying, right. hold on, that's too much for now. Can I ask, can we go a little slower? Mm-hmm. Versus saying it's darkness and fear and somebody has to rip that door open. Because that would be the first kind of vulnerability.
1: Right. Thanks. So if we're
0: operating from the second type of vulnerability, it's vulnerability of brightness. Because then we can recalibrate it. We can tone it. Well, you're giving me an awful lot right now. Can, can we slow down? Mm-hmm. I, I'm still on this first piece. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, where pacing becomes really important.
1: And it sounds, I mean, you know, it's one of these things as you're talking about this, about this pacing, that it's not dump everything out on the kitchen table all at one time, because that's overwhelming. Um, you know, I, I liken it to, you know, when I when I talk to clients and stuff about, you know, um, and this was true in my own family, where I did not have one sex education talk with my children. I had multiple over the years based on their age and the questions they were asking and what I thought was appropriate. Um, but it wasn't just, here's everything that you need to know, leaving them very confused and frightened versus, you know, taking it one step at a time with them. And so I'm, I'm hearing that that's kind of what we want to be doing with our, with our partners and, it sounds as if this pacing is critically important, and it is in a lot of other things as well. So, so how would two people, maybe who aren't really very good at this, kind of take those first steps?
0: First of all, go to couples therapy.
1: <laughs> I, I mean, the no, no, if you, if, I agree. If you, right. Yeah. If
0: you don't know, it's okay. I always tell people come to couples therapy. When things aren't in crisis. Mm Because when you come to me in crisis, all I can do is tip you over and help you sort through the rubble. Mm
1: -hmm. There's
0: not much I can do at that point. Mm -hmm. Come to couples therapy when you're still invested and there's still some things to work on and you still like each other enough to lean in and question things. Mm -hmm. I always tell people oh, you've been dating for six months? Great time to start couples therapy.
1: Yep. Mm -hmm.
0: Right? When you start feeling like the honeymoon is over, but I still like you. I don't know what this is. Go to couples therapy. Mm -hmm. Couples therapy is about building relationships. And I love helping couples move from detection and correction of problems, which is a a tough way to be a couple Mm
1: -hmm.
0: to problem prevention.
1: Yeah. You're yeah. I mean, I am so into that because you're all, I'm on part of this, help a reporter out there. It's like, you know, these things come up. It's like, well, when, when should couples seek assistance? I said, as soon as they are designated a, a committed couple. <laughs> yeah, because because it, it is that. Everybody thinks that that doing this is punishment. And partially why they feel that way is because people wait until they're in crisis. And then it really is painful. But it is well, about building the skills.
0: You know, it's really interesting, Leslie, because... Uh, oftentimes when I'm working with couples in a really challenging situation, one of the, one of the partners would say to me in a fairly angry, upset tone, I can't believe I have to do all this work. Why do I have to do all this work? And I'm like, you want to know why you're doing this work? Because you chose to be in a relationship. Mm -hmm. And this is the work of relationship. That relationship is not for the weak and lazy, because if it was, everybody would be doing it
1: Mm -hmm. and everybody
0: would be really good at it. Right. And the fact that everybody isn't doing it and that everybody isn't good at it means that it is something of valuable that if you want a relationship, you have to do the investment and you have to do the work.
1: And you know, and it's so interesting because and I, I talk, I don't I don't know where she is now, but I had a client many years ago who, you know, kind of she, she came into my office and she told me, she said, I had an epiphany. And I said, Great, what is it? And she said, relationships aren't natural. And I said, well, where did you get the idea that they were? But that's this thing, you know, it's like falling in love is easy. But building a relationship is a little bit more complex. And, and you said it earlier about, you know, this idea that we don't have the same experiences. And, and I said that was, to 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 one of my sisters and she got really mad at me because she thought I was being condescending because I sort of said it as a matter of fact that, well, you and your partner didn't experience it the same way. To me, that was like an obvious statement and she got really mad at me um, because but I think people think that, oh, because we have all these similarities, we're the same. And I tell people that's the biggest challenge of relationships is you're two different people. Now, what?
0: Well, the problem, Leslie, is that we have been given a script from the time we could walk Mm -hmm. about what relationship was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Disney, the Hallmark Channel, um, Julia Roberts and Meg Ryan have all told us that love and romance is goofy, but it all always ends up in the same place. And in reality, it doesn't. Every relationship has a beginning, a middle and an end. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: That relationship lasts a lifetime. My grandmother was with her husband for 40 years after he died.
1: She Mm -hmm. was still in
0: that marriage. Sometimes a relationship is 15 minutes in the back alley of a bar and (laughs) just as meaningful, positive or negative, but just as meaningful and can still be just as impactful. And so understanding that not every relationship is meant to last a lifetime and that, again, love and sex can be fun and great, but that's not the glue in a relationship. And all of the script we've been given is that if you have love and, and or you have sex, your relationship should be easy and everything should be fine.
1: Uh-huh.
0: In reality, none of that is true. Well- Intentionality and curiosity is what makes for better love and sex.
1: Well, and I love that because that is exactly why I titled this show what I did, because, you know, the rom-coms, they ride off into the sunset and live happily ever after. And then the next time you see them, it's Kramer versus Kramer or War of the Roses. You never see what goes on because I tell people good relationships are boring from the outside, (laughs) Um, Yeah, that that. You know, there's, there's, there, there can be drama, but not, but not um, harmful drama. It's, you know, it's, it's not about the fighting hard and, 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 you know, ma- great makeup sex. It's about right. learning. It's like, it's learning how to ride the wave. It's learning how to do these things. And it's all, it's all in a black box unless you're really lucky to be able to be, to have a front row seat. To a good relationship, which many of us aren't.
0: That's correct. That's correct. And it's about being able to go back through the scripts and that realizing that the narratives, the, the stories that we've been given about what we're supposed to
1: expect
0: and how we're supposed to behave are false.
1: Right. And it and it goes back to what I was talking about earlier about my partner's job is not to make me happy, you know, right. <laughs> or my job is not to make my partner happy. That's, that's not the way it works. Now, hopefully there'll be lots of joy and happiness in there, but there's not, but, but there are going to be times when it's not fun, you know, um, you know, when you've got a six, six month old and you haven't had sleep in three days, <laughs> it's like, this is not a fun time, people. You know, but if you've got that, if you've got that connection, if you've got somebody who can share that with you, that's what makes it survivable. Correct. So Elliot, Elliot, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and talk about this. And I so appreciate how you have dissected some of these things. It's given me a whole lot to think about. So um, where can people learn more about you, your, your discussions of vulnerability, how to build great relationships? Please share. Well,
0: thank you. So um, my book, Couples by Intention, uh, Creating and Cultivating Relationships that Matter, uh, might be really helpful for folks that can get it in uh, pretty much any major book vendor. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or Amazon or online purchasing option, or they can just go right to the website for the book, couplesbyintention.com. And there I, there's a blog that has a lot of these conversations going on. Uh, you'll find out where I'm talking next or find other resources there as well.
1: well so, fan- yeah. Fantastic.
0: Couplesbyintention.com.
1: I love that. And, and obviously you and I are sympathico because the sub, the, the subtitle of my, of my book is, you know, creating marriage with more intention, less work. So we're obviously on the same page with that. So, um, you know, I want people to understand that courage isn't the absence of fear. It's taking action despite being afraid and being vulnerable. Admitting your flaws and challenges, even if we put it in the, in, in the brightness frame, can be scary. But when you can let go of the image and embrace the reality, you open the door to real intimacy, which as um, Sue Johnson, who's a great um, marriage and family therapist, says, intimacy is into me, you see. So my question is, is other than listening, checking out Elliot's website what would help you get started. And I hope one of the things that you will keep doing is that you'll keep listening to this show. And until next week, stay loving.